1: to another episode of Life Transformation Radio. We made it through Hurricane Dorian here in North Carolina, but I just want to keep everybody's thoughts and prayers focused on the Bahamas and Charleston, South Carolina, and everybody that was really affected uh, by Hurricane Dorian. So just like you to keep that in mind. I am your host, Master Resilience Implementer, TEDx speaker, business positioning strategist, and author, Ron Douglas. This show is currently heard in over 74 countries. So whether it's your first time joining us or you've been listening to us for some time, I want to thank you to those who are listening from around the world. Life Transformation Radio is all about our transformation. Here, we tell the stories of why we're doing what we're doing, we highlight the transformational moment that changed our lives, and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well. You can listen to us live right here on Blog Talk Radio Network, Tuesday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you're joining us live, thank you so much for joining us. Join our Facebook community, Life Transformation Radio Community. Search that under Facebook groups, and you can interact and talk with the other listeners and with the guests that I bring on the show. I ask that you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, Radio Public, Overcast, Castbox, Himalaya app, the Google Play Music app. Wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to Life Transformation Radio and if you see fit, please leave a rating and review and let us know how we are doing. On the show are entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, podcasters, authors, basically amazing people who are impacting the world around them. And my guest today does just that. If you have any questions for any of the guests that I bring on the show during our live broadcast, Tuesday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, call us up, 657-383-1109. Again, the number is 657-383-1109. And with that, please me welcome to the show, my guest for today, Daniella Young. Daniella, welcome to Life Transformation Radio.
0: Thank you, Sean. I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening to this podcast nonstop, and as a lifelong <laughs> student of transformation, I get so much value and so much inspiration out of it.
1: I really, really appreciate that. And I don't know, it just seems lately that the, the show is on fire, the guests are on fire, uh, people that you know they're talking about the show, and I don't know, it's, it, maybe it, it's the uptick, you know, maybe it's podcasts are becoming a lot more uh, mainstream, it's getting a lot more notice. Um, but I just I love having the show and bringing especially you know military veterans and speakers and things that you know I really love, and I uh, get the have them on the show. Have a conversation with them. Super, super pumped to have you here. So, again, welcome. Thank you. All right. So, let's get into it. The title of the show is Intentional Growth Culture Strategy with TEDx speaker and Army vet, Daniela Young. After surviving a childhood in an intense religious cult, Daniela Young became a captain in the U.S. Army and one of the first women to participate in deliberate ground combat during the Army's efforts to integrate women into combat roles. Today, she is an organizational development and culture strategy consultant, a TEDx speaker, and a leadership coach. She helps CEOs and business leaders develop and employ an intentional growth culture strategy in their organizations. She gets very granular with her clients on how to strategize and execute a culture strategy as well as how to employ tools, tactics, and checkpoints along the way so that they don't get off track. Daniela has unparalleled insights into organizational behavior from her unique real-world experiences. Daniela is also the host of the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast, which we will definitely dig into more where she interviews standout leaders across industries and sectors to learn their best shared secrets for cultivating culture and developing the leaders of tomorrow. Her website is Cultural F-O-R-T-E, culturalforte.com, right there in the show notes. Click on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the Facebook and Instagram and connect with her. Let her know that you heard her episode on life. Transformation Radio. So with that, Daniela, you listen to the show, you know what's coming. I got to ask, what is your why? Why do you do what you do?
0: It's a great question. I love listening to all the answers. So, Sean, I've been living in organizations all of my life. I went from a cult to college to the military to a giant multinational company to a nonprofit to a startup. And it was like incredibly super broad experience. But what I've noticed the most are the similarities and not the differences. And so the ways that people act in groups and the ways that organizations develop. Um, and then I also learned, you know, from my time in the military that it's really hard to get to where you're going without a map and a plan, whether that's a personal transition or whether you're, you know, a business leader trying to create major culture change um, I've learned that if you ask any business leader if culture is important to them, they say yes. But then when you ask to see their plan, they sort of stare at you like you have spots on their forehead. And so <laughs> I've, you know, realized that helping business leaders to develop this nuanced understanding of organizational behavior, and then how to actually put down the basics of a plan for a culture intentionally that they want to get to, is sort of such a fulfilling and crucial way that I get to influence the world around me and the happiness and satisfaction of people around me. And, you know, we all spend most of our waking hours at work. So healthy yeah. workplaces are, you know, very important to me.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And I totally, totally understand about the organizational culture. I've always said that there is no retention problem in the world. It's, it, it's a result. People want to track their retention problems. And say, oh, man, we got a retention problem. We can't keep people in the job or we can't keep people in this organization or in this company. I mean, people are leaving in droves. And, you know, well, why is that? And it usually comes down to a few factors. Toxic culture, toxic leadership, or unfulfillment. Usually the big three. And unfulfillment can take on many shapes. pay, workload, uh, leadership roles, management maybe. Uh, maybe they feel like they should be a manager or maybe they feel like they can be a better manager than the ones that they work for. But in any sense, that are like those are the three big ones that I've seen as far as retention. And I want to get your thoughts on that. And I always say that you've got to change the culture. Just because a new leader comes in and he gets merged into the fold does not mean that morale is gonna come, that awesome workplace whatever is gonna happen, you know, camaraderie, whatever you want to call it, like like it is in the military. You have to change the culture. So your thoughts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, to the point of retention, I I get asked a lot by business leaders, okay, cool, like we want to do this culture strategy, we want to define our values, but how can we do that without losing people? Um, and the answer is, well, you're probably going to lose some people because if you haven't been operating yep. under a specific set of values and hiring, firing, and promoting based on those values, then yep. by, by definition, you have the wrong people in the wrong roles, Right. So like there's definitely a growing pain to getting everyone, you know, right people in right seats and getting, you know, that part of your culture. And then the other thing, you know, sort of that you mentioned is that culture is really complicated. One of my favorite mm-hmm. definitions is the culture in an organization is an index of every interaction of every member in your organization, um, and I love that definition because it makes it really clear that there's no easy button. This is a huge topic. Um, you know, and you, you mentioned the military, I was in the military too. And people love to say, Oh my God, like that camaraderie, but there's a significant, significant onboarding process
1: to oh, becoming
0: yeah. a member of that organization. And we do so much work on values and on culture. Mm-hmm. Not that it's perfect, but like, there's a plan for that. Right. All of that goes into that. And that's where, you know, again, the retention is, is, it's just this one tiny part. It's a symptom, but it's not a disease. Like you don't fix it on its own. Right. Exactly what you said.
1: Yeah. You can't fix retention. Simply by attacking the retention problem. Like I said, like it's a result. If you ask people like, well, why are you leaving for these reasons? Like, it's not a retention problem. People leave because of other deep-rooted issues. So if you don't attack those deep-rooted issues, then it is going to continue. It's like when uh, certain duty stations I, you know, I was at in the Air Force, you, know, you have the good old boy system. So there's a huge, especially as maintainers, there's a huge good old boy system. You know, the same guys get hooked up and get to leave work early. The same guys get to get hooked up and not go on this deployment or, or go on this amazing TDY to, I don't know, the Bahamas or the Bali or, you know, wherever, you know. And, and it's like, well, why are we playing favorites? Like, like it, it, Because that's the culture, because the good old boy <laughs> system is fully in place. And I've been to some duty yep. stations where everybody is equal. They don't play favorites. You know, if anything, they say, if you work hard, you get rewarded. You know, how do we determine who's going where? Because if you work hard and you're not a bag of crap, then you're going to get rewarded. So it, it just makes people want to work that much harder. On the other hand, yeah. y- you've, got, you've got lower ranking people who make, I mean, you have some amazing leaders out there who are working their butts off. And it's, all, it's always the leadership fault. You know, my definition of leadership is someone who builds up other leaders around them and is and is training them to take their place. Right. Then you've got people who are the lower ranking and they create a toxic environment. So there's that.
0: Agreed. And I would definitely say that, you know, part of the reason that I ended up getting out of the military was the the culture for women in the military you know I was mm. I was highly involved in that when I was in the military I'm very proud all of right. my service my veteran status and sort of like what we achieved with you know changing combat culture and mm. all that however yep. you know for for me after six and a half years I was like okay I'm tired I'm passing this baton on to the next uh, you know the next young all right incredible women and uh now i'm going to go address the culture for military spouses which is what I'm, part of what i'm doing now <laughs> uh,
1: man talk about a group that's left behind <laughs> man oh
0: yeah oh
1: man yeah. like that i'm I, like they are definitely the forgotten ones <laughs> like i'm i mean my wife has pretty much had to uh just take the reins on that you know and be like all right well i just got to step up because i know they're probably not going to and we've been to some bases that they really took care of the spouses, but then we've been to some duty stations where they're just like, Oh yeah, that's right. That dude's married. <laughs> and he's got a couple of kids. Oh, that's right. And they just don't I'm just like, well, whatever. She'll figure it out. <laughs> like, no, it's probably not how it's supposed to go. So there's a lot of mad and pissed off spouses within, you know, each service that are just like, yep, we're crap out, We don't, we're, we're not even cared about like, mm, sounds about right.
0: Yeah. And it, I feel like it really goes back to that whole having a plan thing, you know, because we hear all the time, Oh, we care about families, but then every decision that's made is, you know, like <laughs> really specifically not caring about families. Right. And, you know, the, the interesting thing to me is like with culture, it's always the small things. Um, yep. And it's, you know, it's not like, we don't get mad that you have to go on a deployment we get mad that somebody scheduled a training flight on Valentine's Day for no yep. reason. You know, it's, it's these little things that with a little bit of planning, a little bit of actually caring about what you say you care about. And, oh, by the way, talking to the spouses and All asking right. them what they need and asking them how they feel. You know, someone uh, here in Washington State, they did this interesting survey to military spouses and they said, what bothers you the most and what came out of that was they're like we're tired of being referred to as and spouse. You know, and we're basically spouse. we're always the second thought. Yep. Um and you know, for Sounds me right. I went from being a captain, I was an intelligence officer, I was the senior advisor to colonels, and all of a sudden, you know, I say one day I got demoted from army captain to Mr. So and so's wife. Like I don't even have a uh-huh. name anymore when I show up to these yeah. events. And, right. you know, and and part of it, um, and this is my same sort of approach with leadership development programs, like I work with military spouses, with individuals as well, to be like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to be the primary actress in the movie of your life, right? Like you oh, like, yeah. step into it, like you're in a in a crazy environment, so you have to like take ownership, but at the same time, like, there's probably 10% that we can do to help ourselves. And there's like 90% that is organizational change that really, really needs to happen.
1: All right. Yep. And, and you know, we just had a, a rash of suicides and the suicide rates are high and everybody's trying to figure out why. And I literally was like, change the culture, not the culture of, you know, I'm the best and I'm this or whatever, but the culture of oh, it's just free labor. Like we can work them twelve and fourteen and sixteen and eighteen hours. Like no problem, seven days a week. Like yeah, we can work the crap out of them. You know. Oh, it, it, I remember joining back in two thousand one, where they're like, if you wanted a family, the the military would have issued you one. Like that was like the really big joke. And now it's just the, like the military culture hasn't caught up with the rest of the world. You know, the military culture is still stuck on the mission comes first. That's the only thing you care about. And you're married to the military. Like, I totally get that. But at the same time, you're not making it easy to recruit people either. Cause you've got a, a lot of people that are like four years and out done. Like there's, there's a lot oh, yeah. of people that are not experienced. When I came in, you had a lot of veteran guys, a lot of experience. Now, you don't have any experience because they said, I'm out. Screw this. say ain't worth it. I'm out.
0: Yeah. You know, I had a, a boss and a mentor who I thought said it really well where, you know, there's this saying in the military that we don't have to compete on culture or on job offers because we do stuff that nobody else does. Yep. And he said, well, however, we're competing for the same talent as everyone else. And, you know, you're in aviation my husband's in aviation like we're seeing that in the aviation world where the the outside world is having a huge pilot shortage mechanics maintainers everything to do with aviation all of a sudden the military cannot pay they are offering half a million dollars to get people to stay till retirement and they're turning it down yep. like it's not money it? it's we haven't addressed the culture here for 20 30 40 years and it's it's going to show, and it's going to take a long time and a yep. lot of effort
1: to, to fix. Yep, 100%. I absolutely agree. So let's talk more in depth about that and the culture. And So I want to know, what was a transformational moment that changed your life, which put you on the path to what you're doing today?
0: Yes. So I'm going to give you two, but they go together, and I'm quick okay. with them. So Perfect. the first moment was – I'm not sure if we're really going to get into it later or not, but I grew up in this religious cult. It was called Children of God, and it was one of the really bad ones. So you know, I escaped from that when I was 15. I'm in Texas in high school by myself.
1: Like, like FLDS? No Is that what you let, – let's get uh, clear, right? No, this
0: right? one was, was called Children of God, and it was – Yeah,
1: yeah, but it was like FLDS, it, like – Elbows, crazy like, type of cult
0: a, a little bit worse on the pedophilia <sighs> angle like pedophilia oh and prostitution God. um so not polygamy oh, but polyamory and then oh. a lot of just really bad um environment for for women and children um and i was wow. three generations into that so my mother you know got pregnant with me at 14 gave birth to me 15 and then i was you know, in my year of indoctrination to become an adult woman. <laughs> start oh, my
1: gosh.
0: Um, and I didn't want that. Um, but anyways, that's not the transformation moment. So the transformation right, right. moment is I'm in high school. I'm living alone. I'm trying to figure out how to operate in the world. I want to go to college, but I have no clue. And we have to write this essay in senior English class. And the prompt was, what makes you different? And... That was a moment for me when I was like, what do I choose? There's so much. <laughs> um, and I'll never forget the, the girl who sat next to me, you know, perfect cheerleader in my mind has everything. She has no idea what to write about. And that was the first moment that I realized, oh, wow, this, this struggle is valuable and I ended up, you know, the whole school sort of rallied around my essay. It was about how I was raised in the cult. And I ended up winning 24 grand in scholarships and sort of wow. going to college, getting to change my whole life. So that was like my first moment. Um, and then my second moment, and why I said it bookends it, is because I was in Bagram, Afghanistan. This was my second deployment as a captain. And I hadn't really shared my background story, and I finally shared it with my sort of senior boss, who is this Army colonel, who's a mentor of mine. And he, you know, I'm very used to hearing, like, your story's amazing, it's powerful, oh, kind yeah. of on the, this personal transformation level, which it is 100%. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly sort of how I overcame and how I got past it. And this man said to me, Daniela, do you realize the value of your experiences from knowledge about organizations and human behavior and culture and leadership and all of these things, right, that, you know, now that I've been looking at it, like, yeah, you're right. I have 32 years of experience in organizational development in some of the world's most extreme, right, organizations oh, and yeah. all of these insights really do, of course, provide value. Um, and that has been a, a five year process for me of figuring it all out. Um, and, you know, sort of getting into speaking and TED talks and stuff along the way. Um, but that was really sort of what set me, you know, so first, it was like, oh, your experience has value. And then second, it was like, your experience has like, sort of corporate value a way to influence the world on this on this large scale. Um, and that was really, you
1: know, a big moment. For wow. Me. That's absolutely incredible. And I, and I I would agree with that Army Colonel that you have a perspective on the world that not many people have because you've been in those extreme environments and there's a culture in each of those and behavior in each of those that is and is acceptable right so when you go to college you know we're partying drinking for the first like year you're away from home and you know whatever um time to live life right everybody talks about oh that college experience boy let me tell you i up at college you know and then you got the military which is another whole extreme because there's not a lot of people in the world that do what we do especially the army and you're supposed to act and commit a certain way, and it kind of is a cult mentality. I've, I've done research on this just to see the similarities between cult uh, behavior and military behavior, and it's almost the same parallels. They just don't. They just kind of let you leave,
0: <laughs> like have like they don't
1: try to like, you know, guilt you into staying. Uh, as a whole, you know, maybe your boss or do does, they, but,
0: Or do they? well, yeah. I was like,
1: maybe your boss does, but usually they're like, Oh, what? you're not staying in like, come on, man. You know, but it's not, I mean, it, it's not that it's, it's not this intense pressure. I know in the air force, they were offering pilots, like stupid money, like 200, 250 K. So it's like, stay in for another couple of years. and like, come on, because all these air, all these air force captains are getting out and going flying for Delta, you know, getting paid big money. You know, and yeah. all the air traffic controllers do four years in the military, get all their certifications, then roll right into a hundred K job at some airport, you know, Atlanta, Chicago, you know, whatever. And, um, yeah, I just, I never got a bonus in the military until like a couple of years ago, you know, realist. And they're like, Hey, we're going to offer bonuses. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, i <I've> am never <laughs> gotten a bonus. This is great. So it was like, heck, yeah, let's stay in. You know, it's like, man, do I get out? I, and it is always a conversation like, do I leave? Do I not? I don't know. And then we see a lot of the veterans that get out and they want to go back in. They're like, maybe I don't want to do it out here. Maybe I, and there's a whole other culture, you know, on top of it that people who get out of the military now figure out how to function without being told what to do 24-7. So it's another culture.
0: Yeah, you know, so sort of like what you were saying, an interesting experience that I've had with my story is, you know, so first of all, I always got asked by people, wait. So like you escape one cult and then you joined another cult and <laughs> everyone laughs, but there is a lot of truth. And, you know, cult yeah. is a very, very loaded term, but it, you know... Um, I would say the other thing I get asked all the time about the the cult, right? Which like essentially is a sex cult. It's pedophilia. There's a lot of horrible stuff. And from the outside looking in, people think like, Oh, it's obvious you walk away from that. And everyone that's in that is super messed up. And they're like, how is it possible? And I mean, the answer is, you know, what I would say is like, you can't spell culture without cult. Mm-hmm. like,
1: Exactly. Some of the
0: basic needs of human beings are connection and community and cults do yep. that really, really well. And the military does that really, really well. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, for me, so I kind of, um, I'm writing a book about this now. And one of my key scenes is like, I don't know if they do this in the air force, but in the army, like you get off the bus at basic training and you have to hold this 50 pound duffel bag above your head for like, two to four hours, no. right? While you're no. getting yelled at. And I mean, no. of course you drop it and you pick it back up and you're getting yelled at and it's crazy, but like you're, you're participating in this thing that is completely unreasonable, right? Like any <laughs> rational human being would walk away from this and you push yourself through it. And people in those first days of army basic training, they either try to commit suicide to get out or something just sort of breaks in their brain and now you're a member of the group and there's this this wonderfully powerful psychology quote that human beings will do almost anything to fit in with a group that they're a voluntary member of and you know and i when i give these talks right to to corporations like it's like workplace culture culture right and i I put that up there, right? They will do almost anything. And I put up a picture of like this old man cult leader surrounded by 25 like young girls, right? And then a picture of you know, the cemetery at Arlington or some of these very honorable things that we've seen soldiers do for their country, but also for that group, right? And it's almost anything oh, yeah. it can be good, it can be terrible, it can be anywhere in between. And that's you know, I think this really important concept for business leaders that like groups have a DNA and human beings function in a very prescribed ways in groups, which is to say they want to fit in. And so if you know that, and if you truly, truly believe that you're going to be able to create all of the good culture things that strong communities do without creating the downsides. Right. So if we're thinking of like group identity or team spirit, like those are amazing things that human beings want and need group identity is the exact other side of that coin. Wow. Or not group identity, group think, right. Group think, not questioning, like that's the other side of that coin. Right. And so, you know, you can be with all the best intentions in mind, which by the way, is how every cult starts, you know, you're pushing towards this amazing end and along the way, you create the silo of groupthink and nobody questions to the point that you tell everyone to kill themselves and 1000 people do right like in uh, yep now.
1: yep people and, like you know, Tammy Faye Baker
0: <laughs> yeah and it's even um i've i've even noticed that you know cult terminology is very big in the business world right now like people will say drink the Kool-Aid all the time um, oh, yeah. And, you know, the concept is okay, but at the same time, like, this is a reference to mind control, <laughs> you know, um, oh, so yeah. where we where we do want the brotherhood and the sisterhood and the teamwork, like we don't want the group think and we don't want the silos. And, you know, that's, that's how you For start sure. going in negative places. That's how, you know, Germany and World War Two became what it was.
1: Oh yeah. I am fascinated. And when I mean fascinated, I might think of infatuation. But I am <laughs> fascinated by groupthink. I just don't want to take the time to go to school. I just want to do independent research like on my own. First of all, because yeah, I think well, college is an absolute sham. And I would <laughs> never pay for college because it's just a sham. And big business. So but anyway, I'm that's doing just my. That.
0: I've been doing about five years of independent study on this, and finally I realized, well, if I'm going to spend another five years teaching myself on this, I might as well do it in the context of a school and get a Ph.D. out of it. Yeah, um, yeah if you also, want to get a job,
1: college is also, great if you want to get a job.
0: But also the military is going to pay for my Ph.D. So, well,
1: oh, you know. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not okay with student debt. I'm just, I'm just not. You know, you're gonna spend 50 to 100K on a college degree with a piece of paper that says that you're certified to do something, or not, not even certified. You're knowledgeable on the topic, and I'm not talking like lawyers and doctors and things like that. I'm just simply saying somebody who goes for an art degree or a, oh I don't study. know, yeah, like some like photography <laughs> or like entry level computing job, you know, is gonna spend you know 35,000 to 50,000 to upwards of $80,000 on a four-year bachelor's degree to go get an entry level job 30,000 a year really? well and that's
0: another example of groupthink right that's you know yeah. in our country every child is supposed to grow up to go to college no matter sort of what they actually right. want to do and i think mm-hmm. you know for me one of the things that was beneficial coming from a crazy world and not knowing how to group think like an American, I sort of examined college, right? Like I wanted to go because I wanted to learn logic and history and some of these things that I had no clue about. But
1: uh-huh. at the
0: same time, I was like, nothing I want to do in the future is going to be enabled by this degree. So I'm just right. going to get a degree that fascinates me. And do really, really well, right? Get a 4.0. Yep. Um, and then go on either to grad school, or in my case, it was, you know, to commission in the army and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, and I, I think, you know, speaking of veterans, as we have, this is especially one of the things, right, we get out of the army and or the military, and what's the group think there, you have to go back to school. And yep especially with transition and transformation and you especially see this in the officer corps. It's like, Oh, I have to go, I'm not getting a job. And we don't stop and think like, Oh, it's because I'm not communicating correctly. I'm not networking correctly. We think, Oh, I just need more education. And so we go right. back and we get a pretty useless MBA and then we're back in the same boat, not still not able to get a job because we haven't ever transitioned correctly. And, you know, Transformed our thinking and gotten out of that sort of groupthink model. We just went to another one, which was business school.
1: Yep, absolutely. 100% agree on that. Uh, have you ever seen the TEDx talk where the guy, I don't remember what his name is off the top of my head, but there's a TEDx talk out there that he explains the groupthink mentality using a video of the kid that is dancing in a field at a concert. They're in the grass And he's really being ridiculous Like he just sucks dancing And he looks stupid And so he explains everything And What's everybody thinking Everybody's thinking that wow look at this guy Look at this loser I wouldn't be caught dead standing next to him And then one person does One person takes a brave stand and says I can't let this guy perish like this I can't let this guy uh, What does he call it I can't let this guy go out by himself Right. So now two, two is a couple. They're being silly. And then a third stands up. A third becomes a group. Is a group. Yep. Yep. A third becomes a group. Now that there's three people, you start to see the mentality change and it took a while for that second person to show up. It took even shorter for that third person to show up. And when the fourth person showed up, then it becomes a movement. Then you start to see big change then you start to see five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty. 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, 25, 30. All of a sudden, you're up to 40s, 50, everybody. And now the culture changed. That one kid started a movement. He started a group and he started a groupthink. Everybody is thinking the same way as that kid now. And now the guys who thought that, oh, this kid is stupid and this, that, and the other way, is now on the outside of the groupthink. And now they're the outsiders it's it, yeah. there's a tipping point. I don't remember how many people it was that, that said once you reach these many people, but it's a tipping point. And I know there's a study out there. Um, the law of innovation and, and love, um, innovation and diffusion, diffusion of innovation. That's what it is. It's a law of diffusion and innovation. And what it says is once you get in business 16 to 18% penetration, which uh, however many numbers that is, reach that you've now created group think and you've created a movement and i think it's the most fascinating thing to watch when he is talking about they're thinking this right now now that there's 25 30 people there now the thinking has changed this guy has leverage the other people who are missing out have leverage now there's a fear of missing out culture that's been created it's absolutely fascinating
0: yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, no matter how much you think you're opposed to an idea, as soon as you're in a group where everyone's doing that, you feel very awkward if you're not doing it. It's like human psychology. Um, so, you know, an easy example with Americans for me is like, hey, the next time you're traveling abroad, go walk by a nude beach with all your clothes on. And something that you thought you would never do, never dream of doing, like wanting to be naked in public, you will feel awkward because you're the only one with clothes on. Mm. And that's how that's how it works. I mean, it, it just does. And this, this has all kinds of implications, right? One of the reasons why being a, a person of color minority in the U.S. is challenging for people. You know, people love to sort of argue about whether white privilege does or doesn't exist. But... Just the experience of being the odd person out feels uncomfortable. You know, this was true oh, yeah. for women, women in the military, like walking through the chow hall downrange always made me very, very <laughs> uncomfortable because we're like oh, less than everybody 5%. Uncomfortable. Yeah, it does, right? It's that walking through the the high school cafeteria not knowing what to sit. That's gonna, that's But that's gonna but say as a that. woman, like, think, you're like I think it's as bad. A woman, You're so aware that you're like less than 5% of the population out there and like everywhere you go, people are looking at you. Not in, in not in a bad way. It's not like I I judge them and it's not like they can change that. It's just you're you're rare. And so it's this very like I said, like just uncomfortable experience, right? You try as hard as you can to fit into the group, but you can't always fit in exactly. And that's of course why, you know, from an organizational level, all of this sort of focus on diversity and innovation and these other things are important is to, you know, make everyone a part of the group, even if they naturally don't feel like they are.
1: 100%. And I was just going to say the same thing. I, I I think, and and this is just an opinion, that the reason why people are a shy walking through child halls and different things is, yeah, you're walking in front of a group, but really the bullying in high school – and, like, the cafeteria was that melting pot of, like, oh, that doesn't like, that person doesn't like that person, and this person doesn't this, and there's rumors going on, and back talk and this, that, and then fights happen, and it's, like, it, it, it's, like it's, like, yard time at the, at the jail or the prison, you know? It's, like, man, you got to get all these groups together, and the, the cliques that are formed, and, you know, the, the nerds don't like the jocks, the jocks don't like the nerds, and it's, like, all these different cultures, and these little cliquey groups and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I see it even in, even in military. I like, you're walking through and you're like, where do I sit? Like, it's like, it's yeah. like, it never and goes away.
0: And, and you're walking through alone. So you're an individual and people are sitting yep. down in groups. Right. And you're trying yep. to figure out like what group you're going to go be a part of. And it's this, yeah, it's this very intense, I think, experiment or experience.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And yeah, because everybody, like, I think humans are pack animals. They want to belong to something, right? They long to belong. And when you don't belong you're an outsider, and I don't care what anybody says, people are like, well, I'm just an outsider. I have to be alone. No, there's a reason why you don't want to be, maybe you don't get along with groups of people. Maybe you're just like a one or two friend type of person. Like, hey, great. But you literally cannot be alone. I don't know. There's scientific studies that have been done on people's brains and it's like, we just can't function by ourselves. You need other people. We're like wired that way. Yeah,
0: you know, I 100% agree. Um, I talk about this a little bit in my Ted talk having to do with suicide that I think the the basic almost always reason for suicide is loneliness, right? It's yep. you can be surrounded by people, but in your head, you feel alone. You feel like no one can understand you. You don't have human connection and all of the arguments that people try to give, you know, um, I know you've been right there on the edge too, so I'm sure you mm-hmm. get this. But when people try to say, you know, Oh, don't do this. Think of all the people that love you, like to the person in pain, what you're saying is stay in pain for me. Right. And it's this, it's yep. even though like they feel a connection to you and they love you and they want you there. You're obviously not feeling that connection and people ask me, you know, how I kicked, I was, you know, really bad suicidal ideology for 10 years, you know, trying to figure out because I lost my source of connection, right, in the cult and trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And people are like, well, what was the, you know, what was that transformation moment? And it was, it was connection. Um, it was literally someone told yep. me to get over, get over myself. I'm not as different as I think I am. And that wow. helped me Jeez. to realize, you know, I was basically giving myself permission to always be isolated because of course, no one could understand me. I grew up in a cult. Of course, I'm depressed. I grew up in a cult, you know? Um, and part of this whole speaking, telling my story journey that I've been on has really, really taught me that like all humans experience the same emotions. We can all understand each other. We can all connect and all of these groups that we're in are just shortcuts to help us connect, right? So I can run into a veteran anywhere in the world, even of another country's military, right? And we immediately have stuff in common, stuff to talk about. Um, if you if you are like an American traveler and you run into someone in another country, you're like immediately best friends, even though back home you like couldn't care less. And so it's, it's that, you know, search for connection. Um, but I've, one of the things i've really really learned is like we can we can find connection with anyone we
1: want in the world for sure yep i 1000% agree with that so let's wrap this up let's talk about how you elevate the world around you i love the fact and it sounds like you've created a category all of your own by being an organizational element and culture strategy consultant love it never heard that before i love category design and creating something for myself of myself and by myself. Cause then you stand out. And, uh, I, I don't actually know what that means. So let's talk about it. What is an organizational development and culture strategy consultant?
0: Yeah. So I, you know, part of what I do with business leaders is help them create that plan that I mentioned that nobody has, mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and that's the, you know, culture strategy part. Organizational development is sort of helping people really learn like how organizations work and get connected to that from a leadership perspective and from an influencing perspective. Um, and that's of course a huge topic that is, is highly studied. Uh, the culture strategy for me, it's a, it's a mix of, you know, a lot of uh, military mission planning tools combined with the kind of forefront of business uh business plan writing for startups that they have now it's it's no longer do you create an 80 page plan you do this business model canvas which is a one page visual changeable document that helps you like visualize and think about where you are and where you're going and so i have um you know my product is the the culture sorry business model canvas the culture model canvas Right. So how – and I, I have these nine categories, and I walk business leaders through, like, first of all, what are your values? And they have to be, like, your actual values, not what you think sounds good, and also not sort of pay-to-play values. Like, people love to put integrity down, and I'm like, look, no one wants to hire a cheater. Everyone gets that, right? right. So that, that's kind of a given. So we're going to talk about ones that aren't don't apply to every company, like find the values that are your values and then walk all the way through the other side of the map with how are you using those values on a daily basis to make decisions. And that impacts everything else, right? From retention, who your people are, what your marketing strategies are, all of that. Um, and it's, you know, culture is hugely talked about. In 2014, it was the word of the year, and it hasn't stopped since then, and values are talked about, and all of these concepts are not new. What I couldn't find, you know, when I tried to do it for my company was any kind of tool for actually planning for a culture that you want to have, you know, and maybe uh-huh. it's because I'm so scared of accidentally creating something bad that I wanted to create a plan to help leaders visualize and actually get to their goal. Um, it's, it's kind of funny because I'm really terrible with maps, but <laughs> I have a mapping, <laughs> I have a mapping product.
1: <laughs> Got it. And
0: there's no grid references on it. Um, you know, and then a big thing that I do in this too, that I feel like even other people that do sort of culture consulting, because this is a, this is an up and coming field now um, is, is the checkpoints. And we, we get this from the military, but when you shoot, you know, an azimuth on a compass and you're heading off in the right direction on the right angle with all the good intentions in mind, but if you're a tiny bit off along the way, you're going to be super off track when you get to mm-hmm. your goal. So what do we do in the military, even in the air, right? Flying through the sky and there's checkpoints right along the way. Yep. So that you can figure out early on and you can just course correct when you can basically still see the line that you're supposed to be on. And, you know, for business leaders, I think, okay, first of all, if you're doing culture, if you're implementing culture initiatives without a plan, you're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what works. Mm-hmm. But even within a plan, you know, if we're honest, we don't know what sort of effects new initiatives are actually going to have on the culture. Because culture is a very dynamic thing, human beings are very dynamic, and so where are, you know, what are the checkpoints? Like every time you institute a new thing, it should, on one hand, match up with your values. On the other hand, sort of have your, you know, like in the military, knowns and unknowns, like what you think you're going to be and what you don't know, what questions you need to answer, and it kind of it all very naturally flows when you're doing this on paper where, you know, you implement a new initiative, you have easy metrics that come along with it to track and you know why you're doing this. Cause it all connects to your values. And then you uh-huh. go back later and you see, did this turn out the way I wanted it to, or did it create an unknown, you know, an unknown result or an unwanted result, right? Which is, and again, like most, most people in the world are good people. They're not trying to create bad cultures, they just don't have this overview um, and, you know, solid starting point. And if you're trying to navigate on a map and you can't find yourself on the you are here,
1: <laughs> you
0: know, um, <laughs> it's really hard yep. to figure out where you're going.
1: Right. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. But, so let's and do... I
0: don't know yeah, that I actually answered the elevating the world around you because um, we just got into the culture strategy. But my answer to that is my sort of like personal mission, why I'm on this earth is to help people and organizations intentionally build strong growth cultures around themselves, like cultures and communities. So that's important for individuals and that's important for organizations. And I love, 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 I could talk about it all day long um, with anyone um, in really any from any perspective. Um, and I found that the value of my extreme, extreme story, you know, does happen to be like, Hey, like, you know, there's a little element of like, well, so you think you've been through something hard, <laughs> like, you know, uh, or that story you told on your last podcast, right. of the soldier that jumps in the hole and says, I know how to get right. out. Um, and yeah, so that's my, that's sort of my purpose is, you know, I know how to, get out of complete isolation and intentionally build like a strong culture around myself. And I can help other people do that.
1: Perfect. I absolutely love that. And I think that is very, very necessary. You know, I, I always tell people to think about marketing to the seasons of life. Everybody forgets it. There's somebody out of the military, somebody going from high school to college, from college to corporate newlyweds. Um, new parents, uh, grandparents who have to take over parenting because either those parents can't or they lost a life for some reason. And parents are left with those kids to, um, you know, foster kids growing up. Out of, I mean, there's so many different culture, not even, you know, people culture, a mind culture. And we just forget, you know, as a, as a newlywed, you have a very different uh, perspective or feeling of the culture than I can't do the thing as a single guy. Like, I can't do – you know, it's like we see when people get promoted. You know, your friends get promoted, but you don't – or you get promoted and your friends don't. You get to another tier, and you're like, look, man, like I'm just kind of in another – like you start to track of people, and you, you don't really hang out with them a whole lot because you have gone up in rank, but they haven't. So it's like – can't really do those things. You know, we're 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 different tiers, and I see that a lot. You know, you go from airman to NCO to senior NCO, or you go from one, you know, junior officer to field grade officer to right. And, but once you get into different right. tiers, you know, it's it, it, and everywhere people don't see it. And if you watch people, just sit back and watch people and the dynamic that's created when the group think. Mentality changes. We don't do the same things we did. You know, you and I, we don't do the same things we did when we were single. We can't do those things um, because married culture says we can't. And then when you become a parent, you can't do things that non-parents do. Like I'm just gonna my kids off wherever I feel like I can go out and be somewhere. You just kind of can't. You know, you gotta find a babysitter. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe the baby's sick. Like there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't happen anymore. Empty nesters. And, you know, they're used to doing certain certain activities and their kids are all growing up. They're out of the house. It's like, now what the heck do we do? So now they have a culture that has to be recreated because they've had a culture of mom, dad, and kids. Now it's mom, dad, silence. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: Yep. You know, and um, my, my TED talk is sort of all about that, right? Transition, which is just a fancy word for change um and which we all go through in life and it's pretty much constant as soon as you get done with one transition you're going to be in the next one and i feel like there's a this simple you know three there's three things you need right to navigate any transition which is like a purpose like why are you doing this right so you just had a kid why did you have a kid where are you trying to get to you need people and then you need processes and you can, like, uh-huh. make a spreadsheet for those things and make a plan. Um, I'm doing this for my family right now because my husband's retiring next year. So big transition coming up for us. And, yeah, you can, you can plug those in, literally. And I've done it with friends that become a mom. It's like, well, just like you were saying, you know, now you need mom friends. And you need mm-hmm. new mom friends, and you need seasoned mom friends, and you need crazy mom <laughs> friends, and super mom yep. friends, and happy hour mom friends. You know, like you need all of that um, to to navigate. And if you don't have the processes, you feel super overwhelmed. And if you do have the processes and the right people, and you know why you're doing it, then psh, you get through anything. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I, one thousand percent agree. Absolutely. So so what I want to do. I want to do a shameless plug. You can plug your website, programs, product services, how people can work with you and whatever else you want the audience to know and to do shamelessly plug. Go.
0: All right. So the first thing is listen and subscribe to my podcast as well, which is the Cavness, which is C-A-V-N-E-S-S-H-R culture podcast. And I bring all kinds of different guests on, sort of like this one, and I talk to them about culture and leadership, and they just share their stories with me and their lessons. And if anyone wants to be a guest on that podcast and has an interesting perspective, they can absolutely reach out to me on LinkedIn is a really good way. Um, my products, you know, so my website is culturalforte.com, which you mentioned earlier, and I do sort of two key things one is the culture strategy and planning that we talked about and I have various different packages whether it's a you know three-hour session just to help you visualize and get that plan down on paper or whether it's you know six months of helping you actually go zero to implementation and culture change um, and then I also do leadership development and I think kind of from a different angle and that's influenced by, you know, I was 22 years old and a four-star general handed me a commission and said, here, be in charge of 60 people and go to war. And, you know, so there's, I think, two angles to leadership development programs. One is what can the company or organization do for young leaders? And two is what can young leaders do for themselves to step into their own leadership? And, you know, for all of the flack that millennials get, millennials are incredibly, self-motivated right and like part of the lack of patience that we're known to have is because you know i didn't want to wait seven years just to before i could become a major before i could get into the job field that i wanted to you know i wanted to start developing myself as a second lieutenant and that's mm-hmm. true i think in a lot of business places and you know people are not staying around at jobs for 30 years anymore. So if you're only developing the leaders that you think are going to stay there, you're doing sort of the greater community, a, a disservice. So I help leaders think about how they can do really dynamic, short-term, uh, high, you know, high implementation, high success, uh, leadership development, and then sort of, you know, be helping to develop these leaders of tomorrow, even if they're trading those leaders to another company and then getting those people's leaders.
1: Got it. Perfect. And those
0: are my things. And of course, everyone can also watch my TED Talk, which you just Google yes. my name and you will find my TED Talk. And those are my three
1: and things. And is TED Talk on your website? Uh, I think you it is. Definitely put it on your website. <laughs> you should I think it is. definitely it's do definitely that.
0: definitely on my LinkedIn and <laughs> my Twitter.
1: My oh, for sure it's on your LinkedIn. I know for sure it's on your LinkedIn. That's how I saw it. Definitely put it there. Um, so absolutely incredible. Uh, it, and I love what you do. I love the, the topics, you know, in leadership group think, you know, I was a instructor for air force basic training, so definitely get into some group think and some cultural stuff. And yeah, I think it's absolutely fascinating. I'm, I'm completely fascinated with human behavior and what motivates them to do, uh, or, or exhibit certain behaviors. Like what are their motivating factors? Why do they make the decisions that they make? And, uh, I, I just, that's the stuff I love. So, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. This was an absolutely incredible and informative conversation. Uh, something that I'm, I'm really passionate about and didn't even actually realize how passionate I was until we got into the conversation or even how knowledgeable I was. So, uh, so thank you for, uh, for telling us exactly what you do, your story, and how you elevate the world. So thank you so much for being on Life Transformation Radio. All right. So with that, uh, we will close, close the show. And again, Daniela, thank you so much for being a guest on Life Transformation Radio. And we close the show by saying live your brand. And opportunities every day to live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. And I call this living your brand. If anything resonated with you today, please connect with Daniella Connect with Daniella at culturalforte.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all right there in the show notes. Connect with her. She is absolutely doing incredible, incredible, incredible things in the world and please subscribe please subscribe to life transformation radio wherever you listen to podcasts and while you're there search for her podcast the Kevinus HR Culture podcast subscribe to both of our shows and leave us a rating and review let us know how well we're doing and with that until next time Live a great life.